Hello and welcome to the Esse Parabon 07 English podcast, the Parabon weekly show that happens every week. Would you believe it? It is a Monday afternoon here and I'm reporting um, the Parabon weekly show where we're going to rack up all the news that has been happening over the past week in Parabon. And the, I said this show is going to be, you know, 20 to half an hour most weeks because there's not going to be that much news but there is quite a bit of news this week regarding obviously what happened with Stefan Baumgart which um, was announced on Thursday morning at about half past 11 German time and also what is going to happen in the summer we've got more names to share we talked about Lukas Kwasniok last week with uh, Marvin and Niels we're going to have a little look at the other candidates today in the second part of the podcast but in the first part of the podcast, we're going to be racking up and reviewing everything that happened on what was a weird Saturday afternoon. Esa Parabon beating top of the league at the time, VfL Bochum. They will still be top of the league by a few points. Uh, more COVID issues in Kiel means they'll be missing um, what looks to be another 14 days of quarantine. It's not confirmed yet as I'm recording, um, but it looks like it's going to happen because... Um, Gelios, their, one of their most important players, has got a positive test. They were on the bus with Gelios, and now there's more symptoms coming out of the club. Anyway, enough of that. But yeah, Bochum, who had really no pressure on them coming into this. They were four points clear of um, Hamburg, who lost in Darmstadt on Friday. Or was it at Hamburg? I think it was at Hamburg. They lost 2-1, Sardar Dursen, uh, Masterclass there. And there wasn't really any pressure on Bochum to win, and... I mean, we were recording the podcast on Thursday. Maybe if um, Hamburg were one point behind, maybe Bochum would have had would have played better. I don't know. It's it's a weird conundrum to have because you know we as a Paderborn team never really had any pressure on us in that season, so we don't know really what pressure is in the promotion race. Whereas Bochum have been knocking on the door for years now, and this is the final time they're kind of in the door, but not fully through the door yet. So there is obviously some pressure on Bochum right now. Anyway, Paderborn came out of the blocks, absolutely fantastic performance, you know, I mean, just going off the bat, Paderborn were fantastic, and that was probably the best performance I've seen, you know, Darmstadt away was 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 absolutely brilliant as well, but this was probably one of the most effective performances Paderborn have done this season, and I really didn't expect it to come, especially after what's happened this week, and, you know, especially with the lineup which we'll talk about, but yeah, Paderborn were excellent. You know, this was some of the game that I did not really expect to happen. I expected to re- report on another awful defeat. Um, I mean, we kind of all were pre- uh, preparing for that. You know, I wrote my one-minute read, which you can check on the website. I wrote that. Um, keep the score low because I'm expecting this one to be an awful game. And I meant keep the score low for Bochum. So anyone taking that out of context, you should have meant that. I didn't want to embarrass Bochum because, you know, they, they don't want to lose. Grand- I want Bochum to go up and, as champions. Personally, because I think they play the best football in the league. And they, they, they've deserved it after all these years um, of trying to get up. And this is the final time that they've got a really good chance. So, yeah, really, really surprised. I mean, the first goal came on at 36 minutes. Ulian Yusvan scoring. Sven Michel hit the post about, oh, on 16 minutes or 17 minutes. I thought, go on, we've got a chance here. And then Sven um, made... Um, the Bochum keeper, Ryman, make a, a brilliant save. And then Yusfan came in and uh, smashed it from outside the box. A bit like how he did against Dortmund. On the other foot, though, I think it was his left... Oh, I can't remember. 
either his left or right foot, obviously. Um, it was a brilliant strike. I think it was on his right. It was a nice low strike uh, past Ryman. And it, yeah, kind of like how he did it against Dortmund. Um, really, really important goal. And then a bit like against Union Berlin, it was Sven Michel who getting the second goal. Just three minutes later, it was a fantastic pass from Antwi Ajay, who was playing on the right-hand side um, in this match. Um, and yeah, Sven just kept on side, just about kept on side, um, got just just behind the defender. Um, I think it was Leistisch, uh, who got in front uh, behind off. Sorry, kept on side, and, and Sven put it past Ryman fantastically well. Paderborn were going into the half two 0 up, and I was thinking, well, let's just calm down a bit here. You know, I put I was tweeting out Sven Michel, you beauty of a man, but I didn't want to get too over over it because I know how good Bochum are, and they're not gonna you know fall down lightly. But in the end, they did. Um, there's some substitutions in the second half. Correa went off for Santi Ingleson, which I thought was really interesting and weird because we had no defenders already. Um, and Correa got injured somehow. Um, so yeah, there was a couple of interesting changes. Just when I went off for Talhamon's kind of de- a defensive side. Um, to Paderborn as well as Chris Furish coming on. He was on the bench because of an injury. Uh, Dennis Sabeni had a good game. Um, we'll go on to individuals in a minute. But yeah, fantastic third goal for Antoine Jay. Uh, went on the left as Furish went on the right. Uh, I don't think Bochum were expecting it. And yeah, it was a really nice finish. Um, a bit like how he did it against... Oh, trying to remember, I think it's Kern in 2018-19 where he cut on his on his right foot and just found the corner of the other side. A brilliant goal. But yeah, I mean, all the all the problems I said in the um, preview were all kind of fixed, weirdly. I mean, Marcel Correa had uh, an alright match. Obviously, had to come off for... Um, bit of an injury but yeah he, he didn't play that badly I mean he didn't win any duels but he won all of his aerial duels which is just what you need from a defender yeah his passes weren't the best um, but his long balls are quite accurate and I think one of them did lead to the goal I think he found Antoine and then Antoine found Michel but yeah I mean his passing was crisp his passing was a lot better he wasn't dwelling on the ball as much as we used to in it and kind of just got on with things a lot quicker, which is exactly what I wrote down in my um, notes last week, which I said he just needs, he takes a bit too much time sometimes. Um, his partner, uh, Aristote Nakaka, was absolutely fantastic in my opinion, and I was really impressed with his performance. He started off a bit shaky in the in the back, um, but yeah, he was really good. He four clearances, um, won all of his ground jewels, which is just what you need from a defender. Um yeah, he did foul once. He lost possession 12 times, which if, if you compare it to Correa, Correa lost possession um, five times, so he wasn't as comfortable as Correa was, which is not is expected. It's his first ever start for the club. He only had 28 minutes um, before that. So, yeah, he he was very, very good in the, after his first sort of bad start to the game. Uh, only had uh, accurate passes. He had 62%. Uh, pass accuracy, um, nine long balls were accurate, fantastic. Just what you need from two defenders, you know, when you're playing this style, it's obviously not trying to break down Bochum with some nice, crisp, little short passes, tri- creating triangles, you know, it's just getting the ball to the defenders, the defenders long long pass out to, I don't know, Sven, Christopher Van uh, Vasilidis, you know, these sort of players, it wasn't a crisp Parabon from us, you know, if you think about the stereotypically Baumgart, Parabon, you think, nah, Chris passing, good press. It wasn't much of that. I mean, if you look at the actual statistics, only 34% possession, which is the lowest this season. I mean, even against Dortmund, I'm pretty sure it was more than that. Um, against Dortmund, we had 46%. So this was 
the lowest this season in any competition and we still managed to be so effective, which I've not seen enough of. I've not actually seen enough of um, this season to, to, and I like it because it's obviously it's not been working. We've not, we didn't score many goals. Obviously we have scored in the last four or five games. We didn't score against Regensburg, which was the last time, which was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, the, the, the football's now effective rather than ineffective, which some people might call it Brexit football, but I think it's just class. Um, especially against the Bochum side, are always going to commit, and they want to win as much as we do. They've got the good players to win as we do, so I thought it was just an excellent game plan. Um, and Jamila Collins was, was back, didn't actually play that good, in my opinion. He wasn't, you know, um, a masterclass, if you say, but he did his job. Um, three interceptions, two tackles, dribble pass only once, won two of his ground duels, won, won, only one of five aerials, lost possession 18 times. It's been a, a bit of a trouble on that left side. Chima Karoji lost possession about 20 or 30 times, 20 to 30 times in the last match against Nuremberg. Um, 59% pass accuracy, and five out of nine long balls were accurate, and he didn't uh, attempt any dribbles. So, yeah, Jamila was all right. I mean, Frederick Ananu. Had a, a, a 7.4 on sofa score. He uh, three clearances, two interceptions, one tackle, one four out of six duels um, on the ground, seven out of ten aerial duels, which is fantastic. Lost possession ten times, uh, two fouls, 73% pass accuracy, and two long balls accurate, and uh, one dribble uh, attempted, one accurate. Yeah, the defense to put on a hole as well as uh, Zingley made. Um, I think he, made, he only made two saves, but Bochum weren't that good. <laughs> I wrote in my five things we learned. I don't know. I wrote in five things we learned, and um, yeah, Bochum weren't good, <laughs> to put it short. But yeah, Leo, Leo Zingley was just was really good again. Impressed with him. I mean, there's nothing else you can ask from uh, Leo, from his distribution to his passing, to his long throws, to his shot stopping, to his communication of the area. He's... Just a top keeper. Um, nothing this season I think we could have bl- blamed him on. You know, he saved two penalties in a row now. Anyway, going into the midfield, we started with Ulan Yusvan. Ron Schallenberg was back from suspension. He had five yellow cards um, against... He got his yellow card against Kalsra. And he was back, as well as Sebastian Vasiliadis, who uh, was next to him. So we'll start with Ron. Ron didn't um, do much, but he didn't really wasn't really required to do much because not much of the play was going through him. Yeah, 38 touches, um, 77% accuracy, um, two long balls were accurate out of three, only won two out of six ground duels, one out of four aerial duels, lost position eight times, three fouls, and um, yeah, just kind of a normal performance. He wasn't really that good, but it wasn't really that bad either. The play wasn't really going through him as much. It was more going to the wings or Marcel Correa and the Kaka, long, long pass. But yeah, Ron was there as more of a defensive protection than actually getting the ball and passing it. Uh, passing it. Uh, on the other side, Ulen Yusfan, absolute my man of the match. Um, we'll get to the three stars in a bit. But yeah, Yusfan, 69 minutes played, one goal, 36 touches, 67% accuracy, um, two long balls were accurate, um, four successful dribbles out of five, which is fantastic. Hit the woodwork once, which was the uh, Sven hit the woodwork, and then um, Yusfan hit the woodwork as well. Won five out of six ground duels, which has shown his defensive, he's pretty good defensively as well. And yeah. Um, Yusfan was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And then on the other side of midfield, Seb Vasiliadis was yeah pretty decent. I mean, the Greek ginger had 65% um, 
pass accuracy, 36 to 37 touches, one key pass, which is what you want from a midfielder. You know, if you get one key pass a game, that's pretty good. Yeah, two dribbles uh, attempted and both successful. Three ground duels, one out of eight, one out, uh, one out of two aerial duels, one. And yeah, pretty solid performance from Vassi. And then the three attackers were Sven Mischel, who was an interim captain. Obviously, Sebastian Schonlau was out. Um, Dennis Sabeni and then Christopher Andreas J. We'll start with Sven as the captain. Um, yeah, fantastic performance from Sven. Played 89 minutes, got the goal, um, just put it 2-0. Had her four shots on target. Um, one dribble success. Uh, one big chance missed. Yeah, even 62% pass accuracy is pretty good. And also won quite a lot of his duels, won four out of seven duels, as well as five out of six aerial duels, which is quite impressive to say his height. In striker, which I was really happy to see, Dennis Sabeni back as the number nine, uh, not a second striker for once. Uh, Dennis was all right, played 69 minutes, um, didn't really do that much. Again, passing was just not on really for him, um, 55% from the field. Three key passes, though, is what you want to see. Yeah, created one big chance as well. So Dennis was really good, didn't get on the score sheet. Um, it's because we didn't get a penalty, I think that's why. And then Antoine Auger, probably my second man of the match. Um, maybe not, I don't know. One goal and assist, fantastic. One shot on target, which was the goal. One shot off target. Only attempted three dribbles. One of them was successful. 56% uh, pass accuracy from the field. Two key passes. One big chance created. And yeah, Jimmy was really good um, in the game. Um, yeah. And then the, the the three subs that came, well, the four, we had five subs that came on. Um, Trajak Kolok and Terrazino came on on 90 minutes. And on 69 minutes, it was Talhammer and Furish who came on. And then Svante Ingelson. None of them really made an impact. Don't really need to dwell much on them. But the starters today were absolutely fantastic. And it would, I mean, in the main podcast, we'll probably talk about Korean and Kaka because because they did well enough to probably start the next match. But I, you know what it's like. They probably won't start. So going on to my three stars and then the Estefan EN award, which goes to the opposition player that made the worst, not the worst, but made the best contribution for their team. Onto the first star, you've got to give it to Julian Yusvan, my man of the match, as I've said already. But he's just really comfortable playing further up the pitch instead of playing alongside Vasiliadis last match and Talhammer. He was more further up. He had um, four dribbles uh, attempted. Really good. And I was really pleased with, with Ulyan Yusfan because he deserves it. And, you know, people might say I slander him, but it's just because he's not shown us enough that that he should have. You know, he scored the most important goal um, in the match, which is the first goal. And yeah, just all around a really good performance, even on the defensive side. Won five out of six of his duels, which is just fantastic for an attacking midfielder. My second start, I think I'm going to go for Nakaka, honestly. I think he had a, a, a really difficult start but since then he was really comfortable and yeah I enjoyed his performance I think he was pretty good um out in defense it's not easy is it you know coming on to a new team and only playing 28 minutes and then starting the next game and playing 90 so yeah Nakaka is my second star third star I think I'm gonna have to give it it's a tough one between Sven or Chris Antoine but I think Antoine is probably gonna get my um third star he was um really good Offensively and defensively, I think defensively he was kind of helping out um, Frederick Ananu on that left side of of the defence. If you look at it from Bochum's point of view, their left winger did Hotman even play? I really should know that. Hotman did play, so he was we were helping out that left side of Hotman, which is obviously we we know him straight away. Has been a fantastic player. 
yeah, Antoine was brilliant. One goal and assist, as I've said. Just just really good on the offensive and defensive end. And he gets my third star. And then for the SF Parabon, Ian. Um, opposition medal. I mean, there wasn't very, very good performances. Um, but Thomas Eisfeld, uh, Eisfeld did well. Came in for Zolge, their best midfielder. And did an alright job. 80% pass accuracy. Had 62 touches, which I think was the most for Bochum in the whole game. Um, four key passes. And... Yeah, just did really good. So that's the end of the match review part of the podcast. I'll be back in just a second to round up all the other news. There was quite some big news. Hello, welcome to the second part of Yes, Paderborn Nuzibben English Paderborn Weekly Show, where we round up all the news. And sometimes there's not even going to be a second part of the podcast because there might just not be any news that week, which is looking unlikely now because the coach, Stefan Baumgart, is announced. He's announced, everyone. If you've not heard or unless you've been living under a rock, he's announced that he's leaving at the end of the season after four years, after many, many ups and downs. Stefan Baumgart has announced he's leaving the club in the summer. And um, we have actually talked about this in the uh, reaction podcast, which you're going to have to listen to. It was just over an hour long. Um, enjoyable with Niels and Marvin. We had a more in-depth view into where we think Stefan Baugat might go to and where he might um, might choose to go to. So yeah, can I go have a listen to that? I go more, we go more in-depth into it. But now there is a few more names that I want to throw out there. This part shouldn't be that long. In retrospect, we're going to be talking about them all for at least the same amount of time because there's a good chance it could be, it could be all of these who are interviewed or none of them that are interviewed and then we look like stupid. So, the first name I've got on my board, I did tweet this out, is Tim Walter, the um, only one that is not that is without a club. Um, as a as a manager, he um, started out at Karlsruhe under under seventeens, went to under nineteens. Same as Lucas Kwasniok, by the way. They both managed Karlsruhe's youth side. Then went to Bayern under seventeen, Bayern two, and then worked with Fabian Wogermuth in Kiel for thirty seven matches. He got them to a sixth place finish in that season, and then left the year after. Then went to Stuttgart last season, and was coach until the midway point of that season. I'm not actually sure why he left, because they were doing pretty well. Um, 20 matches, 11 wins, uh, 4 draws and 5 losses. His favorite, um, preferred formation is 4-3-1-2. But I guess one thing to look at is he's only averaging just more than a year at each club. Um, he's quite a young coach in some ways. He's 45 years old. Um, Baumgart, I think is I can't remember how old he is. It was it was a special birthday for for him um, this season, but I just can't remember how old he is. Should really know that. Anyway, that's the first name, um, Tim Walter, who will be free agent. Worked with Fabian Wogermuth in um, in the past. I don't know why he was sacked at Kiel. I'm not really sure. But yeah, four three one two four three two one is his preferred formation, and the only time he used a four three three in Stuttgart, they lost to Kiel. So. That's the first name um, on the list. Next li- uh, name on the list is Enrico Masson. The man who's quite famous, I think, um, because of his, of his developing um, attributes as a coach. He's currently coaching British Dortmund's second team. Um, but as a coach, he, he started out at Drosch- Dis- uh, Drosch- Dis- 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 
and then went to Roggenhausen, which is a team in the um, regional league, I think. They're in the regional league now. They're in the Westfalen Pokal, I know that. So I'm pretty sure Paderborn... Oh, my history's going off here. But I'm pretty sure he was manager. No, he wasn't manager when Paderborn were in the Westfalen Pokal. Anyway, currently at Dortmund, he's averaging 2.36 points per match, which is absolutely like... A, that's not a record, obviously, but it's a pretty good number. Um this season, um, they've played 33 matches, won 23 games, drawn nine, and um, lost one. And um, guess who they drew to? SC Weidenbrook, my team on Football Manager. That's just a cool fact. Um, yeah, I mean, I, need, I needed to get that in because my Weidenbrook lad's doing some job on match day 26. His preferred formation is a 3-5-2, which I joked about on my um, private account at Ben Glocante. And I um, joked that it's going to be possible to do that because we've got no defenders to do that. But we will hopefully have some defenders next season. Um, he averages uh, 2.26 years as a coach. He did um, 74 matches in Rodinhausen and then did 145 in um, Drosterston last three years there. Four years there, sorry. Uh, just under four years. But yeah, I think he could be a good option. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Dortmund fans rate him quite highly. We might have some Dortmund fans on the on the, on the podcast. That could be kind of fun. But it's kind of early in, in the in the the, the, the rumours that you know this is kind of out of the blue. It was Westland Black, the um, newspaper that said this, and it's kind of a good newspaper. Kind of got good rumours on it. But until like Kicker come out and say, "Oh, Paderborn are going to be really interested in this guy," then I might get some Dortmund fans on to hear what they think. But for now. I'd like this, and to be honest, anyone in the list I would take because I kind of like everyone on the list. Um, coming on to the next man, uh, Gerino Capretti, the uh, German from uh, Gewerl, who is currently coaching Gewerl and has coached Gewerl since April 2017. Uh, 143 matches. He got promoted with Gewerl into the third league, as we can see now. Doing very well in the third league, Gewerl, I think the fifth or sixth minute. Currently sharing the stadium with, with Paderborn. I haven't played at the Benz Arena that much this season. To be fair, um, but yeah, started uh, has played 143 games. Verl 1.62 points per match, which is uh, really good. Uh, he played in Paderborn, I'm pretty sure, or he might coach in Paderborn. No, he played in Paderborn. Um, he didn't play a single game in Paderborn, though. He went through the youth system um, in Paderborn. He's an Italian citizenship as well, which is kind of cool. Lasts 4.01 years at a team, on average. And yeah, I mean, I'd be pretty pretty happy with this guy. 4-3-3 attacking is his preferred formation, which is exactly what Paderborn are playing this season. And yeah, I mean, I'll be pretty happy with this because I know how good Verl are playing. I watch them quite a bit. And Verl are an entertaining team to watch. And I think he could be a good option for Paderborn, especially someone like that man who takes a step up from the, the low leagues, like Stefan Baumgart did. Well, he did kind of sign in the low leagues, but you get what I mean. Built himself up in the low leagues. And um, yeah, I'd really, really enjoy this guy at Paderborn. So the last um, rumour is Daniel Schoening, who is the current assistant in Paderborn. I mean, this is kind of one out of the blue because you always get the assistant linked. It always seems to happen. So I won't, um, I won't take as much time on this one, but it's kind of interesting how his contract expires this summer, which could be something to think about anyway. But I think wherever Stefan goes, I think he'll want to take Daniel with him. He's been his coach at Paderborn since... Um, been assistant, sorry since um, Stefan's been here. Um, and yeah, 
I think Daniel Schoening will leave Paderborn whatever happens, but could be still something to think about, you know, keeping the Steffen Baumgart legacy. But I think I think we're going to move wants to move away from that. So yeah, and the main podcast coming out in the week, I think we'll have a more bit of a chat about these guys and, and see what uh, Niels, Marvin or whoever joins thinks. But for now, they're the names going out. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, enjoy your week. Back on Friday against Braunschweig, we'll have an actual immediate reaction podcast. Apologies about that. Leeds were playing and they beat Manchester City, which was an absolutely fantastic result. I was really focused on that game. So yeah, thank you for listening. And I'll see you Friday. I want to. I want the next podcast. I don't even know. Anyway, bye.